Welcome back, friends. Lostcarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about everything that has to do with Kirby, with Kirby from the beginning to the present. And today, we're going to talk about Kirby's Right Back At You episode 30. If you have any comments about this episode or any others, you can put them up on the YouTube version's comments or send them to at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. First thing we gotta talk about is the news, and it has to do with Banpresto Box and the 6th anniversary of Kirby Triple Deluxe. So Kirby Triple Deluxe came out in Japan on the 11th of January 2014, and May 2nd for North America, uh, May 16th for the EU, and May 17th for Australia. And for me, Kirby Triple Deluxe was a return to form for the series, and it made Kirby a big name again. It utilized the 3DS's 3D very well and was a very fun game. And come on, like Sectonia, Taranza, uh, seeing Bandana D again after Dream Return to Dreamland. The powers are really fun. The final boss was intense. The music was really good. And my favorite thing is just the 3D was used so well. We get the background, the foreground in that game. It's done to such a well degree, and I love it a lot. And also, it has Bell Kirby, which is my favorite modern Kirby power of all time. My favorite old Kirby power is Paracel. Put them together, I don't know which one I love more. I love both those powers. The other news is the Banpresto box, and it is the second box of the Banpresto line. The first one was MHA, and this one is Kirby, and you can pre-order it now. The pre-order ends on the 16th of February, and the way these boxes are, they're kind of like loot crates, in that there's a bunch of different items that you could get that'll be in this box. And the boxes were $30, and they keep saying it's worth more than the box, and I think they mean with markup it's worth more than the box, because obviously... And for the U.S., it's $30, and I, for me, it's $10 shipping. I live in California, so maybe it would be more or less depending on your state if you're in the U.S. Canada, maybe uh, it'll be fine as well. But yeah, that's, that's them being like, yeah, we will send it to other people in the world. So I pre-ordered it. Uh, the 16th of February is when the pre-orders end. It comes out in June of 2020, and I'm totally going to do an unboxing of that for sure uh, on the main channel. And I can't wait for it. Like, the things that are in there, there's figurines, there's like a keychain, little plush Kirby. I don't know what I'm going to get, but I'm going to love whatever I get, because I love Kirby, and I know you do too. So, if you're interested in that and you have the money for it, have fun with it too. So today we're covering episode 30 of Kirby Right Back At You, titled, Kabi no Nazo no Tamago. Tamago means egg. Kirby's Mysterious Egg. Uh, the US title is Hatch Me If You Can, which is a reference to the movie Catch Me If You Can, starring Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. That movie came out late December 2002, which is interesting because the timing of this, because this episode came out on the 4th of May in 2002 in Japan and December 14th, 2002 in the U.S. So that movie was coming out and they did the title. It was the 20th episode in the U.S. because of some shuffling with early episodes, like the Ring episode. Uh, the Wedding Ring episode uh, was episode 17, I believe. That one came out way later in the U.S. because they just didn't want to do a wedding episode for some reason. And then there's one other one, which I can't remember off the top of my head. So the first thing I have to mention is the preview from episode 29. In the US version, we just get the credits, as always. But in Japan, after the credits, viewers usually get a preview of the next episode. And it's usually Tiff going over the preview. But this time, for episode 29, Kirby is saying, Poyo, 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 poyo. He just keeps saying poyo. But there's subtitles in English explaining the preview. And the gist of it is, without giving too much away, is Kirby found an egg and he wonders what's going to hatch from it. And he goes through a lot of trouble over this. So the episode starts at the end of a day. Kirby's been having fun with Tiff, Tough, Falalan, Falalo, and they're saying see you later at Kirby's house. Kirby waves bye back, and as they leave, Tiff decides to call back to Kirby to bundle up tonight because it feels cold outside, and she sees Kirby sleeping up in Takori's nest again. So she goes into the house, 
and yells at Takori for kicking Kirby out of his home. Takori says Kirby's the one who kicked Takori out of his nest, and he isn't lying about it, apparently. And the kids try to bring Kirby down from the tree, but he's too heavy in his sleeping state. So Tiff yells that, okay, fine, he can turn into a bird for all she cares. And then we watch Kirby sleep, which is very cute. And then the awesome opener! So after the awesome opener the next morning, Kirby wakes up with an egg under him. He learns this by surprise when he rolls off the egg and off the tree, but luckily lands on his feet. He sleepily is confused though, and he looks up, and then he climbs up the tree and finds an egg. And it's, his, it's a big monster of an egg, it's almost as big as him. Kirby pokes at it, like taps it with his foot, but he isn't sure what's going on. Tuff and his cappy crew show up, and they call for Kirby to come down so they can go play, but Kirby's too busy being confused about something. Like, Tuff can't see it yet. Kirby's just confused, like, uh... <laughs> Takori comes out and yells at the kids for being so loud, and goes up to yell at Kirby, but then he gets surprised when he sees an egg. Tuff climbs up the tree to see what's going on, and he's confused as well. Takori laughs that this is a yolk and asks if Kirby laid the egg. And Kirby, again, is very confused. Cut to Tiff, Tuff, Chief Bookum, Chef Kawasaki, Professor Kiryu, and Dr. Yabui being there and investigating the egg. Chief Bookham says there's no reports of a missing egg, so Kirby can get back on the egg. The kids want to know how it got there, though, and he says he's a cop, not a detective, so he's got nothing. So they're like, oh, well, that's useless. Chef Kawasaki says it'd make a great omelet. And they cut a scene from here from the Japanese version. In the Japanese version, uh, Kawasaki explains eggs. He rolls an egg on the ground and says eggs are usually not round because the idea here is you don't want the egg to fall out of the nest. That's why they're more oval than round. Then he says this egg is perfectly circular, and that it would make a great omelet he could feed 50 people with. So both versions, he mentions an omelet, and, but the egg part got cut out. And so Tiff and Tuff again are like, well, that's not very helpful. And I think the reason for this cut is they cut it out so that if you're a first-time viewer, you don't, you don't see the surprise. You think it's a bird in that egg or something, you don't know that it's actually something else in there. But Chef Kawasaki would have given it away that's not a bird. Which is interesting, though, like, Kirby's there, but he, I guess he didn't hear it, because Kirby still views the egg as a bird egg, because Kirby acts like a bird around it, you'll see later. Professor Curio then investigates the egg next, and he says that it may be the world's biggest cue ball and laughs. The Japanese version, Professor Curio sees this as a special year for eggs, first down a blaze egg, and now Kirby's egg, and then he laughs. But he's useless to figure out what this egg is all about, though, so again, the kid's are like, oh, well, he's useless, too. Dr. Yubui is then asked next, and he says Kirby seems healthy as usual. But the kids wanted him to check the egg, but Yabui says he figured Kirby laid the egg, and then all the adults laugh. So the kids are like, well, the adults aren't very helpful. The kids then wonder if Kirby is actually a bird, but Tiff doesn't think that's it. The adults laugh off that Kirby must be an egghead if he thinks he's a bird, and then they leave. That night, back at home, Tiff reads up on birds at the library in the castle, and finds one on the cuckoo bird, and says out loud that they're a parasitic species. They invade the nests of other birds and lay their eggs there. And this is actually an interesting fact. Yeah, in the real world, cuckoo birds will leave their eggs in another bird's nest. They'll also kick out the original eggs. They have like a shovel tail that lets them do that. It's pretty messed up. And so what happens is other birds will raise cuckoo birds, and the birds will just assume that that's just what the babes of their species look like. They're none the wiser. That's really messed up when you think about it. Nature's just kind of messed up sometimes. It's interesting that cuckoo birds just biologically by nature, know that they're supposed to do that, though, that they just leave their eggs in someone else's nest. So messed up, so messed up. But a weird thing is, in the English version, they airbrushed a bunch of text out of the book. Like, the, the book says, like, cuckoo, and then it says it's the last name of the species, 
And it also gives the Latin of the species. Like, oh, that's all in English, by the way. But the four kids version has it airbrushed out, which I guess they didn't want kids to have to read, which it's a weird choice. It, but we keep seeing that choice being made. Tiff wonders about the cuckoo bird, and then King Dedede and Escargoon come in and make egg-based puns and jokes. Tiff accuses them of, of hiding the egg under Kirby, but they just laugh it off and leave. After they leave Tiff behind, we see that yes, the egg is part of their plan. Back at home, Kirby's trying to figure out what to do with the egg, and it starts raining out and Tuff says good luck with getting the egg back up the nest and just leaves. Kirby gets worried and he tries to roll the egg up, but fails. He then tries to run with the egg in his hands, but he can't make the vertical climb and falls back. The egg rolls down the hill away from Kirby and he desperately runs after it. You might ask yourself, why didn't Kirby just fly with the egg? And I guess he just wasn't going to have a good grip on it, which is why he didn't try, maybe? Or Kirby just didn't think about it. So as the egg rolls down the hill and Kirby chases after it, we then hear a didgeridoo! And we see that Rick is running in the rain with a leaf over his head as an umbrella, and the egg knocks him out. Luckily, Rick is really soft, because he's a hamster, and so the egg doesn't crack on him. Kirby catches up and hugs the egg. And then we hear more didgeridoo in the background, as Rick gets up and then he sees the situation. He tells Kirby that he needs to shelter the egg from the rain and shows him something a platypus taught him. Rick makes a grass nest on the ground and plants the leaf over the egg. He then shows Kirby how to hop onto the egg and hug it to protect it. Kirby mimics Rick and hops on the egg to protect it, and then Rick runs off, and he says good luck while Didgeridoo continues to play in the background. Righto. Good luck, Kirby. Obviously, this is the US version only. They, for some reason, decided to make Rick very Australian. I don't know why, they just decided to go with that. And... yeah. With Rick gone, Kirby happily hugs the egg as he lays on it, but he eventually slips off because he didn't have a good enough grip. He hurries and dries off the egg and gets back on top of the egg and starts to drift off to sleep, but then lightning hits a tree! Kirby instantly recognizes the situation as the tree's falling towards him and the egg. Kirby jumps up, and then he stands on the ground, and he grabs the tree as it falls. He holds it over his head, with it pushing him back. He digs his feet into the ground, and he throws the tree to the side, and a loud thud is made. So Kirby displays that he is actually very strong. It, it's not just the powers that gives him strength. Kirby is naturally a very strong little boy, apparently, because that tree was heavy. Kirby then goes back to the egg, hugs it, and then jumps on top and falls asleep. In his dreams, Kirby transforms into a bird and flies happily. Eventually, he sees the egg, and he's, he's currently sleeping on the real world, and hops on it as a bird, Kirby, and sleeps. In the dream sequence in the Japanese version, Kirby's more dreamlike sounding, while in the 4Kids version, he just sounds regular. I don't know why they made that choice there, but they did. There's just an interesting difference there, just to note. The next morning, we see Tiff and the others searching for Kirby. Tiff blames Tuff for leaving Kirby alone in the storm. Tuff eventually finds the lightning-struck tree and then finds Kirby. Falala wonders what the hatchling will, will be, and Falala thinks that maybe it'll be a pink flamingo and everyone laughs. That's a good one. I like that one. The egg starts to shake, and Kirby wakes up when he rolls off of the egg because it shook him off. Eventually, the egg breaks open, and a Digimon comes out. This might actually be way too old a reference. I'm not sure. I could be too old here. But uh, in case you don't know what Digimon is, because they might not be relevant at this time period, uh, Digimon were like Pokemon. They were monsters. Well, they were digital monsters, Digimon. And they could evolve. But their first form was basically like a round head form with no arms and legs. And that's it. And that's basically what this is. What hatched out of the egg was a round head. So I'm going to try to describe this as best I can. So what came out of the egg is a Galvo. 
Galbo is this small round head with no arms or legs. It's got a purple body, white underbelly, and it's got like that Godzilla rock back thing that Godzilla has. And for Galbo, it's purple. And it has these monster eyes going on. It also has big sharp teeth. Some are protruding out of their mouth when it's closed. And else has a green tongue. And I'll tell you this, Galbo is from the Kirby games. The first game Galbo is, was in was Kirby's Dream Land 3, which was around this time. A uh, big difference is that Galbo's in the games were red and the rock back is more yellow or orange. Uh, they've appeared in Dream Land 3, Kirby 64, Return to Dream Land, and Planet Robobot. They look like ice dragons without arms or legs, really. That's the best way to describe them. Also different color. So it was a Galbo in the egg, and since it's new to the show, nobody recognizes it. They don't know what's called a Galbo yet. And they can tell it isn't a baby Kirby, though. Oh, by the way, the Japanese version, Galbo will say Geru, Geru, like, like frogs. Let's just Geru. I don't know why. While the US version, the 4Kids version, it's more like, nah, nah, nah. Like, it just more like, I guess, animal throaty sounds instead. That, that's just what they decided to do. So the Galbo looks at Tiff and gets scared of her, but it recognizes Kirby as its parent and nuzzles him. Everyone else is scared of the Galbo, by the way, because of course they are. Kirby happily takes care of his new son, though. We see Kirby climb up and throw down some coconuts from a tree, and the Galbo breaks them in its mouth and swallows them, just cracks them open. The kids see it eats like Kirby, like it eats a bunch, and then Kirby runs over and grabs a bunch of mushrooms and feeds them to the Galbo, too. Everyone then follows Kirby as he runs off to feed his baby some more. We then see King Dedede and Escargoon are watching from the distance. King Dedede likes that the plan is working, that Kirby is loving his baby monster. Escargoon isn't sure about buying two monsters, but King Dedede says Escargoon better hope the plan works then, because yeah, that's expensive. We then see Kirby go fishing and feed Galbo lots of fish as well. The kids decide to leave Kirby to raise his son. The pair then run into Spikehead and Honey, and they offer Kirby a candy. Kirby takes the candy and gives it to his son, and the Galbo eats it. Kirby then runs off ahead to find more food for Galbo, but then Galbo attacks the kids and eats their candies too. Kirby rushes back to try to scold Galbo, but he can't stay mad at him. The pair run into town, and Kirby runs ahead again. Galbo stops because they smell something at Chef Kawasaki's, and they open a door with their face and hop right on in. We see that Chef Kawasaki's about to serve Chief Bookham and his wife, who have been waiting there for an hour, some food. Galbo, though, barges in and eats all of their food right in front of them, which makes them very sad and still very hungry. Kirby then runs into the restaurant looking for his son and then leaves because he didn't find him. So remember earlier, we saw Chef Kawasaki and Chief Bookham, Kirio and Yabui, because what comes up next is, well, more of them being addressed. We then see Professor Kirio at Tuggle's shop, and Tuggle says, why not buy some of this instant soup he likes? But Professor Kirio sadly says, his doctor says the soup is too salty, then Dr. Yabui walks by saying, Professor Kiro is too salty too. <laughs> so sad. So Galbo then comes in there and wrecks the place and eats everything in Tuggle's store. So the four adults who weren't very helpful earlier kind of got messed up a little bit by the egg that they just couldn't figure out. Kirby again comes in too late, looking for his son. He sees the destruction and then leaves worried. We then cut to those five adults, because it's uh, Professor Kiro, Chef Kawasaki, Chief Bookham, Tuggle, and Dr. Yabui, and they're really mad. They start talking to Tiff about it, and they're saying that Kirby's kid is a menace, but Tiff tries to reason with him since it is just a baby. We then see Galbo is eating all of a lady's produce stand, and Kirby's failing to stop his child. Kirby tries to reason with the adults, but they're all mad. Galbo then bears its fangs at the adults, so they throw sticks at Galbo, and one connects and makes the Galbo cry and go to his father. Kirby pats the crying boy and gets mad at the residents, and leaves with his son. This is something a parent usually does. 
Like you'll you'll notice that where if a kid's being a brat and the the parent just cannot see their child as being anything but innocent somehow. And that's what's happening here. Kirby's, well, it's his kid, so he's mad at everyone else for being mad at his kid. And he leaves. Back at the castle, King Didi and Escargoon are happily watching because it shows that Kirby has fallen into their trap. They then call up Nightmare Enterprises and summon a full-grown adult Galbo, and it is huge. The plan is that with Kirby attached to the baby Galbo, he won't be able to fight an adult one because he just loves the baby one so much. That's their plan. We then see Kirby making a home for himself and Galbo outside of town. Not back at his house for some reason, I guess because Kirby considers that Takori's house instead of his house, I guess? And Kirby makes some bedding out of hay, and Galbo tries to eat it, but it doesn't like the taste, it just spits it out. Kirby tries to explain it's a bed, not food, and then Galbo bites into Kirby's arm. Full on. Kirby makes a stern look, a stern face at Galbo, and Galbo stares back. And then there's silence. Galbo knows he's in trouble. But Kirby, instead of some sort of punishment to Galbo, Kirby pats his son on the head gently and tries to reason with his boy. And Galbo eventually lets go of Kirby's arm, and we see the teeth come out of Kirby's arm. So Kirby's a patient father, and isn't that nice? Kirby tries to explain that it's bad to bite him, but Galbo just hops away. Kirby smiles and goes back to working on the bedding while Galbo goes outside. We then see a bunch of bananas float in the air, and it's carried by Falala and Falalo, and they lure Galbo away. Kirby comes out worried, but Tiff and Tuff stop him. They explain that they're splitting the two of them up for a while, so that they can have an intervention, basically. It's, it's not even been a day, and they need to have an intervention. So they try to tell Kirby that he needs to be sterner with his son, because if he isn't, then Gabo's going to become a, a brat, and does he really want that? It's funny them saying that with Tuff right there. <laughs> Just then, they hear a loud rumbling nearby, and the ground shakes. And out comes a giant Galbo! This one has an orange rock back, by the way. Just so you know the difference, I guess. The rest is the same color as Baby Galbo, though. And Tuff says he changes his mind that, that the baby can do whatever they want, because, well, they're staring at a giant. But then we hear a Mexican guitar. And Meta Knight is there to explain that this isn't uh, the Baby Galbo, this is a giant adult version. Also, he tells him that it's known as Galbo. So now they know it's called a Galbo. The kids run away, and Kirby dodges a bunch of fire breaths from Galbo. That's one thing I didn't mention earlier, just not give it away. Galbos can breathe fire, and that's the attack they usually do in the games. I'll use the newest one, for example. Planet Robobot, the Galbos are usually sleeping, but if Kirby gets too close, they'll breathe fire at him. So it's breathing fire at Kirby, and he's dodging and jumping around, and Kirby starts waving his arms around in distress because he doesn't want to fight the monster. This is a new thing. We're at episode 30. Kirby usually just tries to kill the monster. Unless it's Chili. He doesn't try to kill Chili. He killed the Ice Dragon instead. Kirby does not try to kill the monster instantly, or just face it as an enemy. He's just trying not to get hurt by it, but he doesn't want to fight it either. Tiff and Tuff don't understand, though. Why isn't Kirby fighting back? But Midnight does understand. Kirby has a soft heart, and because of his love for the baby Galbo, he can't fight an adult one. Kirby eventually fails to dodge and gets burned. Kirby tries to fight back, but we see in Kirby's eyes that Kirby still sees a baby Galbo, and he tries to reason with the beast as it burns him more. And I'm gonna say this burning is a beating. Kirby's getting hurt pretty bad here. Falala and Falalo bring the baby Galbo back, and Kirby's happy to see his son. The two Galbos talk, and baby Galbo has to make a decision. He looks between Kirby and the, Gal the, the adult Galbo, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's getting... He, you see sweat on him. Kirby's like, come on, son, come on! And eventually Galbo does decide to side with Kirby, which of course makes Kirby jump with joy, which is very cute. The adult Galbo's like, what? 
And then Baby Galbo attacks the adult Galbo with a fire breath attack, but it does nothing. The adult Galbo then burns Baby Galbo to a crisp, and his lifeless body rolls to the ground. Kirby runs up and cries as he hugs his child's corpse. This is a kid's show! Kirby has now suffered a third psychological trauma. This is the third friend to die right in front of Kirby. The dog exploded right in front of him. Chili melted to nothing in front of Kirby. And now Galbo has been burned to a crisp. Kirby just, all he can do is cry. But then Kirby turns to fight the monster. And this time, Kirby has a blood rage. Kirby rushes the adult Galbo and instantly eats its breath as it breathes fire at him. He then transforms into fire Kirby. Kirby dodges more fire attacks and even takes one in the back. But it does nothing now that he is one with the flame. So the Galbo tries to jump on Kirby to crush him. So Tiff summons a warp star and Kirby uses it to fly straight at the Galbo. It breathes fire at Kirby and Kirby breathes fire back and his flame is greater. Kirby then flies into the Galbo's mouth and we see the most brutal kill so far. Kirby fills the beast with flame. More and more and more. And we see the beast stretch from too much fire ins inside of it. And then it explodes. Kirby flies back and stares at his dead son. He just, he just holds this dead lump, burned to a crisp on the ground. Everyone's sad, but then the corpse shakes, and Gabo cracks out of its burnt shell, and they're okay! Gabo nuzzles Kirby, and he then feeds Galbo a couple of dozen bananas. Kirby and Gabo happily hop around in a circle together. Very cute. And Kirby jumps in the air happily, and Gabo bites his arm again. Kirby gives him a stern look in the air, and Gabo lets go. We then see Kirby look at the screen and sigh at his bitten arm as the star wipe closes, the close happens, and we get the end. Also, Tiff and Tuff are like, well, it'll be great to see Kirby with a, with a friend, uh, with, a, with his son. About that, oddly enough, we never see Galbo again, which is weird. It, I'd, it's weird when you do something like that in any show, where it's like, oh, here's a story element here that's going to have to stick for, from now on. But no, they don't stick with it. Next episode, Galbo's gone. Gabo isn't in the show ever again. Very weird decision to do that. The assumption I make here is that Midnight uploaded Gabo back to his home planet to be with his kind, like when they uploaded Knuckle Joe back into space in his episode. That's the best assumption I can make. I'm sure Kirby would have loved to have Gabo with him, but I'm guessing everyone's like, yeah, we better send him back to his planet because he's just going to wreck Cappy Town, something like that. And Kirby probably had to accept that he had to lose another person he cares about. It's very unfortunate for Kirby. Kirby goes through a lot. Really does. This was a really cute episode. Definitely a top 10 episode for me. Galbo is, by the way, one of only three monsters that will befriend Kirby. Not counting the Robodog, because it's not a monster, exactly. Chili is the other monster to do it, and then there will be a third one in a later episode in the anime. And we did get a lot of information in this episode. We saw that Kirby is a very strong, even without powers. Also that Kirby is a very caring and patient father. And Kirby is just a good role model, as always, because, yeah, it's like, yeah, you should be patient with your child. Of course, Kirby could be a little more sterner with the child, I guess, since they were being very bratty. But that's a nice father there, I still think. Um, yeah, just Kirby's very strong without powers. And we also learned a bit more with Med Knight. Med Knight just knows a lot because, of course, he's been fighting monsters for a long time. So, of course, he knows about Galba, what they are and everything. So that's cool there. And so that right there is this episode of Kirby's Dreamcast. Next time we'll cover episode 31 or Kirby's Dream Land 2. Hopefully Kirby's Dream Land 2, working on the research there. Episode 31 has to do with Kirby at his most powerful. I mean that. This is a hint. 
Kirby is extremely powerful in episode 31, and you'll understand when we get there if you've never seen the episode, or if you don't get what power I'm talking about. And as always, remember you can find our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Music Play, and on YouTube. I recommend the YouTube version for the video game episodes, especially because we use a lot of visuals in those. I do still try to describe things the best I can. But for the games, a lot of visuals. I had a lot of fun with this episode, and I hope you had fun watching and or listening to this episode. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time at the next Kirby's Dreamcast. Bye!